Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. on a Thursday. The offseason is here. couple weeks, I'll be in Indianapolis for the scouting combine. Going to be scouting out players and positions that the Raiders will certainly be looking at it. I've got it as a big-time wide receiver is priority number one. A, I would say, 1B, solidifying that offensive line, probably a right tackle. Linebacker, cornerback. Defensive line, too. I mean, you always have needs. That's the thing about football. It's always evolving. It's always ever-changing. But if I had to put a priority and an order on it, got to get that wide receiver fixed. Got to get the offensive line squared away. And maybe it's just really bringing in uh, a stud right tackle, whether it's through the draft or free agency, uh, over on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker, cornerback, Defensive line. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend from Embajador Tequila, also a uh, football fan and football coach almost his entire life. Of course, we're talking about Les Kekahuna, who a lot of Raider fans saw this year and got to meet over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill and understand that this dude knows his football. Les Kekahuna, how are you, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Uh, I got to ask you, Les, uh, did we just finish up the best NFL playoff or postseason of all time? Man, I I think it was one of the best seasons I I can say in my lifetime, even in the regular season. Those are really good games this year, man. Really good. Were you surprised by what happened in the Super Bowl? Um, Nah. I mean, you know, the Rams had the probably the more superior roster, I could say, you know, but um, I, I, I expected it to be actually a really good game. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. I really felt that it was going to be a good game that could have went either way. And at the end, the team with the bigger stars came through, I guess, right? I mean, the two main guys, you know. Uh, Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, man. They made the key plays at the end, man. It was, it was unbelievable, the places they made. Before we get into what the Raiders – what you think the Raiders should do and need to do uh, to uh, to get to an even higher level. Uh, when we go back to the playoffs tonight, and I have to remind people this, I was in Cincinnati covering the Raiders against the Bengals. To me, the Raiders had a legitimate chance to tie that game up. They were nine yards or so away from tying the game against the Bengals, who ended up going to the Super Bowl. I'm not sitting here and saying that the Raiders, had they won, would have gone on a Super Bowl run, but anything is possible at that point. But but what I will say is it shows you how, even with some flaws on the team and some holes that need to get fixed, they were pretty darn close to going to beating the team less that ended up going to the Super Bowl and representing the AFC. What are we to take from that? Man, I, I, I think they're very close. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure if you ask anybody that's not a Cincinnati fan or in that area, they, they never, no one ever thought Cincinnati was going to make it to the Super Bowl other than the team who believed what they had. And um, in that game, there was a few plays, man, that it really could have went the Raiders' way. You know, some things that had happened, I think, earlier in the game, the clock management, some of those spiking the ball in, the, in that last four plays. Like, you run a play, man, you know, and right. the last four plays, I think I think things like that. But, you know, they're a young team, and I think that they're going to learn from that. And 
and make those corrections, you know, and the experience is going to be good for them for next season. Yeah, I agree. And I kept saying, you know, just from my reporter's point of view, there wasn't anybody that I really thought the Raiders couldn't take the field with and compete. I don't care what team we're talking about. I truly believed that whoever the Raiders took the field with last year or, you know, in the playoffs, they had a chance to beat. And that doesn't make them the best team. And it because it doesn't, they aren't. Uh, but it may, it, but it tells me that they're closing in and they're getting better. Um, and and now with some key moves moving forward, they can close that gap less. And uh, we haven't talked. I si- think so. Yeah, and we haven't talked since Josh McDaniels and uh, was was brought in a, a, as a head coach. What do you think of that move? Well, Josh McDaniels, I think is a great move. You know, instead of choosing someone that that never been a head coach and taking a chance versus a guy that you know has been there before. I think, you know, he brings all of that with him. You know, he's been there, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you go back, you're like, okay, well, it didn't work out the first time. Now I know what I got to do differently the next time. And I think that's what they're getting out of him, somebody who's been there before. And I'd rather see someone like that take over this team versus someone like you still unsure. Like, man, you know, sometimes you can be a great coordinator, but you're just not a head coach. You know, it's, you're just always going to be just a great coordinator. And position coaches, there's some that they're never going to be a coordinator as well. They're just a great DB coach, you know, because it's just a big responsibility. And I think I think it's a great choice. Les, uh, you coach football. You know football inside and out. Um, when you watch the Patriots, especially their years where Josh McDaniels was the coordinator, what stood out about – uh, their scheme, the way they did things um, in in New England, and and how it might relate to what the Raiders do. I think it was his uh, how they dedicated to running the ball, you know. And and in those years that I watched the Patriots, they they were balanced attack, you know. None of this pass the ball four times in 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 the red zone is like no, we're going to run the ball. And you, you know, you look at the Atlanta game; they they basically just ran the ball on their throat and in the Super Bowl. And, and they went down and they scored a touchdown on a run play, you know. And I think it's important that you, you have a balanced attack, man. And the team that can run the ball better, and, and you know, I, I always believe that. No one will ever change my mind. We'll always win the bigger games. Yeah, and I feel like they do things – they have so many tools in their toolbox. They can beat you in so many ways. So no matter what it is that you take away, they always have an answer – uh, to, to go to, to turn to. Um, and sometimes you can see that in the course of a game or a series where all of a sudden they're going, okay, you're going to take that away. We're going to just run this play down your throat out of this right. personnel grouping. Uh, to me, I love that f- flexibility that they've always shown. You know, um, I I don't want to see names, but I actually have a nephew that's playing for, um, and he starts for uh, New England. He's a skill position player. And I asked him, I called him, I said, man, what do you think? He said, man, I love Josh McDaniels. So the Raiders are going to be awesome to, to watch with, with him as the head coach. So that's I always, you know, I always ask because the players, they know, right? You know, we can watch TV and we can read about things, but the people in the locker room know. So I asked him and he said that about him. It's just impressive to me, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. We're talking to Les Kekahuna from Embajador Tequila. Uh, a lot of Raider fans got a chance to meet Les over at Rockstar Bar and Grill. Uh, can't wait to get that thing started again. And we'll probably have some surprises, right, Les, uh, during the off season. Uh, some parties that we oh, might. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun, man. The draft's coming up. You know, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see 
how that goes and, and, the, and the players that the, uh, the Raiders add to their roster. Well, before we let you go, yes, exactly. And before we let you go, I want to get into that. Um, all right, so you've been watching the Raider t- these Raiders for the last couple of years intently, play after play after play. Um, what do they need to do to get to that next level? I think offensively, uh, you know, I think they should go out and get a right tackle. Don't draft one. You know, like look what happened with Leatherwood. They drafted him as a right tackle. Now he's playing right guard. Go get a right tackle. Like a guy who's proven that's his position. Go sign that. And now, you know, it helps your franchise quarterback. You know, it protects him. You know, Devontae Adams is there. You know, I, I go get him. He's a well, why draft a receiver and hope he becomes a number one uh, choice for your team, let alone the whole NFL. You know, Devontae Adams to me is the best receiver in the whole league. And if you put him with Renfro, Waller, and Chicks running a ball, I think instantly number one offense in the league. I mean, as far as his skill positions, you talk about the number one receiver, a top three, four, maybe tight end. Uh, Renfro, you know, he's also, you know, like a Cooper Cup. Uh, Julian Edelman to the New England scheme of where Josh McDaniels were. And then, you know, you have Devontae Adams is going to stretch the, stretch the field and take the roof off the top of defense, man. It's going to be scary if they can get him. And like I said, the right tackle, like, don't draft one. I would really hope that they could just sign the top free agent they can get. He's a proven right tackle to take him. Like, you know, we don't have to hope that he's going to be a right tackle. Does it have to be a Pro Bowl right tackle or just somebody that can hold it down? Just a solid guy. You know, like, um, you know, I, 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 I look around and I and – I, Watch some games, and you know that guy. What's his name? Uh, I think he's a free agent, Morgan Moses or something. Right, yeah, from you know, he's a, yes, the Jets, I think. Yeah. yeah, he's solid right tackle, man. Like guys like that, and you know, I don't know what the money may be like, you know, as far as salary caps and all of that stuff. But you know, a guy like that, man, you know, just a solid right tackle, man, would just show up the show up the whole line, you know, because the left tackle is he's, he's fine already. He, you know, he had a great year and right. he's doing really well. All right, Les, what does uh, Embajador uh, have going on uh, in, in and around Las Vegas and, and elsewhere that uh, that fans uh, that might be out here uh, can keep an eye on and look out for? No, just um, we, we plan on doing something for the uh, the draft. You know, um, to go to your nearest liquor store, like Roy's Liquor, I think, you know, I love I love going there. And great choices. Uh, Carries Embajador Tequila, uh, Total Wine, XO Liquor, Liquor World, um, yeah, liquor outlet. You know, Bob there is a whole great guy, so he supports the uh, Raiders and whatnot. So, yeah, just having you being able to go get your tequila there and enjoy the draft. And I'm gonna do something with you, you know, for the for the draft because there's a bunch of young college players that I was able to work with. So they they reached out to me to do something with them for the for the draft, and we'll let them know through your show, man. All right. Awesome, man. Hopefully it's a linebacker, man. We draft two. Hopefully, uh, we, well, the Raiders. The Raiders. Hopefully the draft, they go get a linebacker. All right. Well, offense, go, go, to, go free agency on the, on the draft. We'll get a, a linebacker. I like yeah. it, Les. Uh, all right, man. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us in the huddle. I'll see you down the road. Uh, thank you so much, yeah. my friend. Thank you, Vinny, for having me, man. You Have got it. Day. Absolutely. You too. That's Les Kekahuna from Embajador Tequila, our great uh, sponsor here. Uh, and they, they're always doing great things in the community. And those parties that we have over at Rockstar Bar and Grill during the season and We'll have some stuff during the offseason, as he alluded to, uh, probably at the draft. Um, always a good time and always a great time to see all our listeners and readers of Vegas Nation. Uh, it's it's always a good time. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. 
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What up, what up, what up? The offseason is upon us. We're talking free agency. We're talking the draft. A lot of things have to happen first. And I know somebody was like, why do you always talk about Derek Carr on the radio? Well, it's going to start there. That's kind of the, you know, you have to get your quarterback situated. And then a lot of other things can happen because once you figure out what that position is going to cost for the next few years, guess what? That's where, okay, Max Crosby's contract is coming up. He's going to get paid. Hunter Renfro will be re-signed. Now you want to know, all right, now what's that going to cost? And then that's going to dictate things like, I don't know if that's going to happen before or after, but free agency. The Raiders obviously have some holes, right tackle being one of them. And I think I'm going to side with Les Kekahuna. Now look, if there's a draft pick that you truly feel – is going to be able to step in and 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 hold it down at right tackle from day one where there's no uncertainties. Not opposed to going down that road if you're the Raiders. It shouldn't be. But it's got you got to hit it on that, man. They missed last year with Alex Leatherwood, who got moved to right guard. Now, hopefully, for the Raiders, Alex Leatherwood is taking a deep dive into the film work. He's taken a deep dive into whatever his orders were after he met with Mike uh, Mayock and the coaching staff on his way out of the exit meeting and is paying that and taking heed of that. I don't know if he's allowed to even talk talk to the new coaching staff yet. Um, There's always some crazy rules and regulations with that, but if it's allowed, you would hope that he's already, you know, been talking to the new offensive line coach, who's I'm sure has already done his homework on this offensive line and has a pretty good idea of what it is that he's working with and what Alex Leatherwood needs to do. And of course, it's going to have to fit what Josh McDaniels um, and Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, what they're looking to do. So if Alex Leatherwood can turn into a good solid player at, and at this point right now that's got to be the goal that's the that's that's the goal and that's the expectation and you know anything above that to be great a great player right now that's off on some other you know let's just set that aside because for right now for the raiders and for alex leatherwood he needs to develop a baseline of solid play he has to at least get to that point where you can count on him to not be a weakness. Somebody that is going to be a reliable player, cut down on the mistakes, cut down on the um, the penalties, and be able to do his job at a, just at even right now, an average level. Because last year he was well below average when you added it all up. there were There were moments of... Okay, all right, that's what you thought you were getting when you drafted Alex Leatherwood. 
I'll give him some leeway. He did make a move from outside tackle to inside guard. That's not the easiest thing to do. I think for the most of his most of his career at Alabama, he played on the left side, whether it was left guard uh, or left tackle. It's it is a little bit of a change moving to another side of the offensive line. So you can give him some allowances for some of those things. But year two, you're no longer a rookie. You've played full 17 games. I think he played all every game, if I remember correctly. Had that going for him. But he needs to be more of a certainty. I think we've gone over Brandon Parker. I think he is a swing tackle at best. He's been given plenty of opportunities to start and to produce. He just hasn't delivered a high enough level of play consistently. You can't go into a season, I don't believe, with him as the right tackle. So whether it's going into free agency or the draft, and we're going to take a look at some of the tackle free agents um, today, you got to get that locked down. I think... Centers, okay. I think Andre James showed enough last year to say, all right, he's he's headed in the right direction. Go ahead, Devon. Oh, speaking of the offensive line, we did get a text in on the Sam and Ash text line. I don't know where he's at, but he says, good morning. Why not pay Carr? He works and he can win. He has proven that. We cannot forget our offensive line wasn't even close to the best. That is something I think the Raiders have to fix. Now, if we had a Pro Bowl offensive line and Carr wasn't successful, I would understand and doubt him. I, but yeah. pay him. Let's go forward, not backwards. Maybe two to three year, maybe a two to three year deal, and go from there. Love the show, Mike from the OC. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think there's there. It's, it's important that you do that because again, you want to create certainty at the quarterback position and cost certainty right now. And the more you wait the higher the number goes because there's going to be guys that sign some of these some of these top young uh, uh, quarterbacks that are going to sign that are going to just keep driving that number up. And, of course, you know, there's, there's yes, you know, uh, Derek Carr is going to want to do right by the team in order to give the team flexibility, but you're also not going to just embarrass yourself by taking far less than what you deserve. And that's just not – and not only that, but there's other players that are looking at you um, it's always called keep the train moving, man. <laughs> keep the train moving because there's always somebody behind you that's looking at your number because they're going to use that number to figure out what their number is, Devon. And agents also, I'm not saying that his agent drop him, but agents wouldn't want to represent a client if you're, hey, they're looking at 35, 35 or 40 million. I'll play for five. Right. Then the agent, that's taken out of his cut. Yeah, and yeah. Then, it, then, then he's going to look bad representing his future clients. Right. You're going to get written about, if, if the, too, as the agent. Like, why would you do that to your client? Why would you allow your client uh, to do that? Um, okay, so, so no one wants to take, like, it, it's also, like, that bigger part of the NFL that I think other people, like, with any league, or, like, you don't want to, like, set yourself low. Tom Brady was a special exemption because so many people always love to bring that up. Right. And he was – but he was also – and he was making a lot of money off the field as well. And, um, obviously, we always mention that his wife. And it wasn't like he did it all the time, I don't think. And it wasn't like he wasn't getting paid, too. He was getting a lot of money. For yes, it's not like his salary was just one million. Go find out what his uh, yearly earnings – I mean, his, uh, it's on reference. I think they do a uh, – 
they do a uh, career earnings. All right, so we're looking at tackle, free agent tackles. And this is on uh, NBC Sports, and they did a whole top 10 of the tackles that are available in free agency. Number nine. Number 10, I should say, Justin, or excuse me, hang on one second. There's a familiar name on this list, by the way. Uh, number 10 is Connor Williams. Williams's talent is undeniable, but penalties haunted him throughout the 2021 season in Dallas. Uh, he led the NFL with a whopping 14 penalties pass. That's the last thing the Raiders' offensive line needs is another penalty-plagued player because they were too many, way too many penalties on the uh, on the Raiders' offensive line. Number nine, Demond. Trent Brown. Trent Brown. Ah, just took a guess, but you called on me. Number nine, age 29. Brown's undoubtedly one of the game's top tackles when healthy. Unfortunately for the Patriots, that hasn't been all that often. The six foot eight, 360 pounder suffered a calf injury in 2021. The season opener missed the next eight games. Pass. Number eight, Eric Fisher coming off a torn Achilles. Fisher had his fair share of struggles in 2021 with the Colts. The two-time Pro Bowler struggled in pass protection, but still managed to fare well as a run blocker. As he enters his age 31 season, the biggest question is whether he'll look like more like himself in 2022 uh, with two years removed from the injury. Number seven, James Daniel. He's a guard. Daniel is a 2018 second-round pick from the Chicago Bears, enjoyed his best season yet in 2021. Uh, after spending the last few years switching between center and guard. I I think that he would be a little bit further down on the list uh, as a guard. Dwayne Brown, number six, age 37. Uh, even as he approaches his, 30, his age 37 season, Brown is an above-average left tackle. I'll, I'll say this. People laughed at the Rams or were, like, scratching their heads a little bit when they signed Andrew Whitworth at 36, 37. Hey, man. If you got it going on, you got it going on. Age, I'm he's thrown that whole thing out. If you take care of yourself, if you're still playing at a high level, I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about the age. And the other thing is, you know, a two-year, just get two years out of him. If he can still play at a high level, um, that's somebody that I would definitely keep an eye on. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, he's a guard. Uh, Brandon Schreff as a guard. I remember talking to Lincoln uh, Kennedy about him. He thought that he would be somebody that you could plug in and expect a fairly high level of play. Uh, number two, Orlando Brown Jr., tackle, age 25. Brown has proven to be one of the biggest steals of the 2018 draft, selected in the third round. The three-time pro bowler hasn't missed a game since taking over full-time halfway through his rookie season. Now, the thing with that is he's a left tackle. So um, what do you do in, in in that case? And then number one was Teron Armstead, uh, age 30, from the New Orleans Saints. So there's some good honorable mention. Ben Jones, Jason Peters, Alex Kappa, Andrew Norwell, Quentin, Quentin Spain. Uh, Quentin Spain was the player that uh, – a lot of people blame Quentin Spain for that ta- for the uh, Aaron Donald sack. But he was supposed to get help on the uh, from the from the center, which there was a double team on that play. It was just that Aaron Donald beat it by uh, out rushing uh, Spain to his uh, he kind of on his flank on over his uh, left hand shoulder. So anyway, of those players, Demond, anybody jump out at you? Orlando Brown, because I think that I well his prop well he probably wouldn't be a fit for the Raiders because one of the reasons that he wanted to leave Baltimore was because he wanted to prove that he's a left tackle yeah. instead of being a solid right tackle. 
But, you know, he wanted to prove that, hey, I'm a left tackle. So that, I think that that is still be a problem with the Raiders. But at 37, you think? Maybe he, maybe at this point he's like, ah, I, I proved it. <laughs> right? Yeah, but no, Orlando Brown, no, not 37. Oh, oh, oh. What, who was I thinking? I was thinking of Dwayne Brown, my bad. Yeah, Orlando, right. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, still, right. he's still a young guy, so he would, and, you know, left, left, Lincoln could even tell you that. Left tackle is the more lucrative position of the two. Totally. Totally. So, but I do think if if the Raiders could convince him, yeah. if the Raiders could convince him, hey, come in and we'll give you high paying right tackle money, I think that that solidifies that position in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, I wonder how much that would cost. That would be a lot of money. It would be. So it would be uh, that would maybe, you know, the if Devontae you could Ad- get him as the right tackle. Yes, but that would the Devontae Adams talk would you know clearly you know simmer down because you would have to pay him like start like elite right tackle money right but i do think it's that trade-off and i'm not saying that the raiders want to make this move because they already went down you know get burned once i don't know if it should affect you in the future well you know because i think i think uh, the other brown trent is sort of unto himself um i don't think orlando brown would uh, would fall into that into that category but uh yeah i mean if they could and they can convince him to play right tackle all of a sudden you have two pretty darn good tackles and I think that it helps, obviously, your right guard in Alex Leatherwood to have Andre James, Alex Leatherwood, Orlando Brown. Not Playing a, next to two pro – well, now let's not say two pro bowlers, but let's say at least one pro bowler in Brown. Uh, he's been right. a pro bowl before. Yes. But, hey, like that would free up. Maybe because some of that like anxiousness, nervousness, people don't like to talk about that with athletes. And I'm not. It's it's when you say that it's not scared, but no. it is like, but it is that. Hey, I've got to go out here right. and perform and be perfect on this play. Right, and so that would ease some of that. And you could just loosen up and play a that's little bit freer. The, and we would have that conversation sometimes with Lincoln, and and he's like, "You got to get it out." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's easier said than done," because I thought he was playing anxious. That's gonna give you a little the, the um, you know, <laughs> trying to get off a little bit quicker and just not being sometimes entirely focused because you're just wanting to do so well that you get in your own head a little bit and you, you play a little antsy and a little anxious. And that's where oftentimes the penalties happen because most of his penalties, yeah, there were some holding calls as well. That's going to happen. But the jumping off sides, when you know the count, that's usually just a sign of you're probably thinking way too much too. And so if they can coach that out of them, and just get him to settle down because he's got the physical traits. There's some fundamentals and techniques that he's got to work on. Um, and he's got to – the other part of it is, to me, he's got to start the season and start each game with a with a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Now, there's – you say, well, you were saying that he's playing antsy. Isn't that urgent? Yes, but you have to be able to contain the urgency but play at a high level and a physical level and a tenacious level. And if Felt like he always did at Alabama, but it didn't necessarily carry over. But, boy, I'll tell you what. If he can take a big jump forward uh, in year two, and there's history that shows that that happens a lot, that would be a huge deal for the Raiders. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? How you doing, Vinny? Good, man. Uh, I don't want to see him draft a lineman in the first round. He did it last year. Yeah, I guess there's a couple of wide receivers. I looked at, I saw this uh, mock draft. They got the Raiders pa- taking a cornerback. You know, I guess they could use one of uh, the passing up, um, passing up Drake London. Oh, I like Drake and London. Do you think they should? 
Yeah, if he's there, he's got to take him. Of course. I would love to see him take two wide receivers in his draft. Which you think maybe why he's also to get another running back somewhere in the mid-rounds and also a backup quarterback. Yeah, I could see them um, you know, investing another draft pick in a uh, in a running back quarterback. I don't know. I think that, um, uh, you know, I, more than likely to me, you go out and sign a free agent as a backup, somebody that uh, there's there's plenty of those guys around now. Um, you might have to give them a little bit of cash, a little bit of money, um, but you want to be able to, to me, have a viable backup quarterback. I think the Raiders are too close to being a good team that it's a they fall off the cliff if they have to go to their backup quarterback. Um, I, I just you don't want to have that. That's what happened in 2017. You know, uh, the Raiders go to the playoffs. Derek Carr gets hurt, and the backups were just not worthy. And obviously, that showed. Uh, so, but, you know, could you bring in somebody? Uh, possibly. Um, I just I, to be the main backup. I'm not quite sure that that's the right way to go. out to the Raider Na- Raider Nation listener line. New England Raider is on the line. How you doing, New England Raider? Hey, how you doing today? Doing good, brother. Hey, good, good, good. Well, it's actually nighttime here, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, Vinny. I, you have a lot more faith in, in Leatherwood than I do. I mean, that man made me cringe every down, I swear. And, you know, every time you saw a flag, I was just like, oh, it's Leatherwood. It's right. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have faith in him for a second year, but, like, you know, I think that's, that's all I can give him. Um, I think I would like to see, though, uh, some competition during the offseason. If we can try to get someone else in there just to give Leatherwood, you know, some competition because, you know, I think he really needs to earn that role. I understand that he went from, you know, uh, one position to another. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the AFC championship this year, next year, and I cannot have those 10-yard penalties on us. Um, you know, that's all I really want to say. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, go Raiders. Appreciate the call, brother. Thank you very much, New England Raider. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I just think that the, you're going to have to roll with them, and you're just going to have to expect and hope, you know, that he learned some lessons from last year, and that he's settled down. He's become more of, you know, just, just made the transition to being an NFL player. Um, and, and is going to take a step forward in year two. It, it happens, and it happens a lot with offensive linemen. That's the other thing that um, you, you have to take into account and you have to factor in. Experience along the offensive line goes such a long way. We kind of saw it through the course of the year last year with Andre James. Remember, people wanted to run him out of town early on in the season. And he was struggling. Without question, he was struggling. Um, but as as the season went on, Andre James started getting better and better and better. And that's a guy that's in his third year. So, I mean, he, he graded out 64.1, 67.2 in pass, uh, 61.7 uh, in run. Uh, that's, you know, he needs to get better, uh, obviously, at, at, at that in the run game. But those those numbers through the course of the year just kept going up for him. And we're going to take a look at, uh, actually, let me go back there. But he's an example of more playing time, settling down, just getting better, more comfortable. Um, and it just started working out better for Andre James. I've got his season grades, but you know, they're early on the year 
50, 47.6, and then all of a sudden, 77, 83, had a bad game against the Kansas City Chiefs at 60, 74.3, 70.5, not a a good game, 60 against the Washington uh, Football Club, 73.2, 55.2, 69, 61, 65. So starting off in the 40s, there were a couple of 30s, there there was another 40, to all of a sudden, in that 70 range, almost consistently, there were a couple of blips on the screen. But if you saw, that's just that was him getting better as the season uh, went on. And, you know, to me, going into year two, if Alex Leatherwood could get on the same path, um, there's no to me, there's no reason. He's got the physical tool, tools. He's strong. He's an athlete. Um, he's smart, quiet, but smart. I just think that he didn't play confident all the time last year. I thought he played anxiously, and that's what led to some of the, you know, penalties, the the unforced errors, that the the holds, you hate them, but at least those are in the in the line of battle, you know, where he just got called for for a holding. A lot of times those get let go. A lot of times as a veteran, you're going to get that call, but the but the unforced errors of jumping off when you know what the snap count is, those are the ones that were really plaguing him. I think he led the league in that penalty. If he can just erase that, which he should be able to, sometimes playing with a little bit more calmness, being in the zone, getting your zen on, whatever it is, and being a more of a less anxious player in your head is going to lead to a better player physically as well and eliminate those mistakes. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You know, you could also talk about some guards, too, because the Raiders are, you know, we'll see if John Simpson's the guy. Uh, Everything changes, by the way, with new coaching staff and a new offensive system, a new offensive line coach. Brandon Schreff is available as a free agent if he doesn't sign back with Washington, uh, was a 73.6 graded uh, guard. Austin Corbett from uh, the Rams, uh, who kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, The Rams had traded for him. Uh, He was ranked 20th among guards, Uh, a good young player that I think is an aspiring player getting better. Um, he's somebody that uh, you could take a look at in free agency. There's ways to fix that offense. And who knows? Maybe Alex Leatherwood. Maybe the new regime figures, hey, he could still play right guard. And if you do that and you, you shore up the guards uh, or play right tackle and shore up the guard situation, you know, you could go that direction as well. So um, there's some options out there, no doubt it. No doubt about it for the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line and welcome in our good friend, Raider Reggie. What's going on, Raider Reggie? Man, Vinny, I feel like a stepchild. I can't get in on no line. No. Now, oh, well, <laughs> we got to. Yeah, we got to work a on that. Thing? I don't think so, but we'll, you know, I'll I'll, I'll get on uh, Demond and make sure that uh, that we got you hooked up twenty four seven. That's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, I I didn't get to hear the whole show, but as I was listening right now, 
the one big thing I've been saying the whole time is the money and all of that, who gets what, I can't dictate that. That's not my job. Right. And even who we keep and who we get rid of, that's not my job. But I would like to see them get better for sure at the line. O-line, D-line, got to get better. And we cannot go into the draft doing some of these hopeful project we can't do that anymore and 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 leatherwood i i feel bad for him in a way but that was a total miss them going and reaching to get him like that and that's why he's under so much pressure it's it's where he was picked at that makes him stand out the way he does but again i'm not the guy with the money i'm not the owner of the team i'm just a fan so I'm hoping they do better. It looks like we got a good front office now that has some history with doing some proper things, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm I'm waiting for you to drop the big – whenever this good information come, I'm waiting to hear you say, we picked up the number one wide receiver. That's what <laughs> I'm waiting for, brother. Well, if uh, I, I'm, if anything that makes you happy, man, I'd be happy to report. So how, you, how, you know how about that? <laughs> All right, DeMond, I know you're back there on the ones and twos, man. Keeps doing what you're doing. And woo! <laughs> all day. Appreciate you, Raider, uh, Reggie. Uh, thanks for calling. And don't be a stranger. We'll make sure that there's always an open line uh, for you. I'm, I felt like, uh, besides defensive coordinator, um, I felt like the Raiders' offensive line decision, coach decision, uh, was as big as there was uh, for Josh McDaniels. Uh, he goes with Carmen Brasillo. Don't know a whole lot about him. He's only coached in the NFL for a couple of years. Was the co-offensive line coach uh, with the New England Patriots last year. Now takes over. You know, uh, He's the guy in charge. No more co. Uh, he is the offensive line coach for the, for the Raiders. Ha- did have uh, offensive line coaching duties at Youngstown State. And I want to say Duquesne University. Shout out to Duquesne in Pittsburgh. Um, but I don't have a lot to really go on. None of us do. I mean, you have to assume that if an organization like the Patriots and Josh McDaniels and obviously Bill Belichick liked what they saw, um, in, in, in Carmen Brasillo, then, you know, he's obviously can coach. So the key is now He's got a lot of work ahead of him, and how his group performs this year or next year is going to go a long way toward determining what kind of offense we're going to see from the Raiders this year. He's got a project in Alex Leatherwood. There's enough there to work with. Say what you want about um, Alex Leatherwood, and there's no doubt that um, Raider Reggie hit the nail on top of the head. Why is he under so much scrutiny because this wasn't a consensus pick. Now, if if Alex Leatherwood just changed the name um, and he was, you know, a guy that was genuinely, universally expected to go in the range that he got drafted 
and he had the same exact year, if that player had the same exact year as Alex Leatherwood, there would still be a little bit more leeway because I think fans would be saying, well, I mean, that's where he was expected to go. This is just the natural growth spurt, uh, maturation process uh, that sometimes happens with offensive linemen, but we're good with it because we were good with it going into the draft. That's a name that we saw on all the big boards that we were looking at and all the draft mocks and all of that. So they would feel a little bit better moving forward. But even when you look at it from that perspective, it wasn't like Alex Leatherwood was like some, well, he's not going to get drafted at all. Look at him as an undrafted free agent or he was a fifth-round pick grade or a sixth-round pick or a fourth-round pick. Um, there were people in the NFL told, who told me that he had a late, but that, the, that the best that they saw was a late first-round grade and definitely second round. So it's not like they drafted some guy that nobody knew about and it was completely out of left field. It was just that he went higher than the consensus projected. And for that reason, I mean, heck, Mike Mayock, the general manager, flat out said the night of the draft when we talked to him after the draft pick, yeah, I knew we knew in the room that there was going to be controversy over this pick. I think... Raider fans want to get to a point where that's not what they hear regarding their first round pick. Because you know what? To be honest, that was almost, I, I wouldn't say that that was what he said, Mike Mayock, about Damon Arnett. But everybody, that, that was a mind blower where he was drafted. Nobody had him going that high in the draft, Damon Arnett. Period. Exclamation point. And even to the point where after everything happened with Damon Arnett, and things continue to happen with Damon Arnett, by the way, Mike Mayock said, yeah, there were red flags. We knew about them, but through our research, talking to people that we had great relationships with at Ohio State, we felt like the maturity issues were behind him. But he flat out said there were definitely some red flags with Damon Arnett, which is uh, give me one second, Damon, because I, I want to hear what you had to say. Which, okay, if you have red flags, that's one thing. But the, even, but the red flags didn't, like he, he wasn't uh, not considered a first-round pick because of the red flags. It was talent that he was not, you know, uh, being considered a first-round pick. So when you marry the two, the fact that he was a reach just from a player standpoint and then, oh, by the way, there were all these red flags that everyone kind of knew about. That makes it even more egregious. Demond. Oh, no, it's just making me think because we always hear about the red flags where the, even the most extreme case, Aaron Hernandez, oh, he's he's got red flags, but I think he was a third-round pick instead of maybe the first-rounder because he had first-round talent. But are, are there any situations where people can flat-out say, uh, they told me not to don't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole because of the red flags. Because I feel like we always hear the stories about maybe he dropped like from the second round to the fourth round or if there's a video or like an actual police report of something going on, those red flags. But it, I feel like we never hear about just like, yeah, we didn't draft that guy because of all those red flags. I can or like or the players or like the people around the university were just like, yeah, man, we called Ohio State and everybody at Ohio State said I wouldn't touch the guy. I'll I'm glad it, he helped us win a national championship, but stay away. I'll put I feel it, like you never hear those stories. Uh, you do, <laughs> and I can, uh, you know, as whatever you want to put Bibles in front of me, whatever. I'm talking literally during the draft. 
where you know you're you're texting your source, you know that's in the drive, running the drive, and you're like, what about so and so? Not even on our board. What? <laughs> you know, like not on the board, not on our draft board, not on our undrafted free agent uh, list. And they won't tell you exactly why, but it's got to be either. No, so in your world, we're like we're the access. And this, while this, it's this going on, job. I'm talking yeah, about while it's going this on. This is your too. job, but I feel like you never hear like for me, like the average fan, because I relate to myself as like just the average fan, right? Where you just don't see on Sports Center. Yeah, man, teams are saying they're not taking this guy with a ten foot pole um, because no one, a, no one even at the college is going to vouch right. for him. There's, there's. So a, I feel like every once in a while yes, there are with your reporting that yes. this will it comes out with your. Sometimes reporting. you're like surprised. You're like, really? You know? Like, yes. Oh yeah. But I feel like for like the layman fan, you never hear about the. Hey man, we just we don't think anybody <laughs> no. should draft this guy. He's good for what he's doing for us at college, right? But teams shouldn't take him unless you've got found with a pound of you know what. <laughs> but in a, in a lot of those cases, even some of those cases, you know, you're gonna. That's what people are, and when you talk about grades, um, everything goes into that grade when it all gets because that's what you're meeting about that's what you're talking about that's what you're investigating about that's why you're on the campus to go figure it out so when you're talking about a first round grade or in a 20 to 25 25 to 30 you're those grades take into account everything from character to red flags to injury concerns to playing ability and that's why a lot of times guys are just flat out your doctors tell you not you know hey yeah this guy will give you 3 years but after 3 years you're going to be really worried about whether this guy could get back on the football field because of you know what showed up on his medicals that knee has got about 4 years of good football <laughs> left on it so you know you're listening to your doctors you're listening to the investigators you're listening to everybody and that's what assesses the, the you know the the ultimate grade you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio 920 AM want to thank Brad Spielberger for coming on and uh, shedding some really in, uh, a good great light on uh, Derek Carr's contract uh, maybe Devontae Adams' trade value. Very interesting. Uh, that's the type of stuff we're going to be talking about uh, as we get prepared for the scouting combine, the draft, free agency. It's all coming faster than you think. Uh, I want to say thanks to, obviously, Les Kekahuna, uh, our great sponsor uh, with Embajador Tequila, coming on, talking football. He knows his football. Trust me when I say that. Devon Cotton, thank you so much. I want to say thanks to all of our listeners, all of our callers. Always appreciate it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Embajador Tequila, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. in the huddle. Check you guys out tomorrow.